Hey, my name is Jason, and you're listening to the Embrace Church Podcast. God is doing some incredible things at each one of our locations in South Dakota and Minnesota. To learn more about Embrace and maybe plan your visit, head on over to imembrace.com. We hope today's message brings you hope, inspires you, and encourages you in your walk with God. Let's dive in to today's message. All right, Embrace. Good morning. Welcome. Glad you guys are here. My name is Brian. I'm the campus pastor at our 57th Street campus. And for those of you at our network churches, our other campuses, or online, we are so glad that you are here today. Uh, We are jumping into a brand new series called The Greatest Story Ever Told. And what we hope for over these next four weeks is that we give everybody just an idea of the bigger story of the Bible. The Bible has 66 books in it, and each of those books have its own specific story. But throughout the Bible, throughout all 66 books, there's one story that's kind of woven throughout. And this isn't a foreign concept to us in our society today. And I know that you know this because everyone within the sound of my voice has seen the movie Avengers Endgame. That's why they made one gazillion dollars over the last couple months. And Endgame is the culmination of 22 movies told over 11 years, all with different stories, but throughout those 22 movies, there was one larger story being told, and the Bible is similar, except the Bible takes a thousand years to tell its story, 40 authors, 66 books, and one overall story. And so throughout the Bible, what we get to see is we get to see how God creates, how people break, how Jesus restores how Jesus reclaims and how God restores at the end. And that's what we're going to do over these next four weeks. We're really excited about it. And every good story kind of follows the same theme. At the beginning, there's a hook, right? A hook to catch you, a hook to be like, oh, I want to keep reading. In the middle, there's some conflict and resolution. And every good story at the end has a strong finish. And today, I get to talk about the beginning, and beginnings are the best. Beginnings are my favorite. My favorite day of vacation is the first day. The first day of vacation, I'm like, man, this is going to be great. I am so excited. I'm thinking about all the adventures we're going to have. Don't ask me about day six, but day one is great. The beginning of vacation is so much fun. Last year, we drove all the way to southern Utah and back on a road trip, and I loved every minute of it. But I particularly loved the first day because I'm thinking about the way vacation ought to be. And I don't know about you, but do you remember uh, what it was like to first fall in love? I don't remember a lot of things. That's not a joke. I just forget stuff. But I remember asking Andrea, my now wife, out for the first time and us starting to date. Butterflies in the stomach, that was a real thing for me. And the night that she said, yeah, I'd like to date you, I got back to my place. I could not fall asleep. I was so excited. I could not believe that somebody so beautiful, so funny, so caring, so creative would want to go out with me. And I remember praying to God, God, would Andrea never really know me? Because if she does, she will soon realize she is far too good for me. 20-some years in, mission accomplished, everybody. Still pulling the wool over her eyes. Other beginnings that I like, I love the first pancake. Does anybody else love the first, like the first bite of a pancake? You're just like, man, this is amazing. This is the best food I have ever eaten in my life. I don't want to eat anything else ever. And then I get to pancake number three, and it is disgusting. 
my jaw hurts for some reason. It's turned into cement in my stomach. I'm Googling pancake poisoning to see if that's a thing. But next time we have pancakes, I will be first in line because beginnings are the best. I love the start. And today we get to look at the first beginning, the actual beginning, not the beginning to a relationship, but the beginning to all of it. The first beginning, we're going to jump into Genesis 1, and we're going to be in the first two chapters of Genesis today. If you have your Bibles, go there. If you don't, the words will be on the screen, so don't worry about it. But Genesis 1, verse 1, here's the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. How's that for a start? How's that for a hook to get you? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And I don't know about you, but I need something to make something else. I need something. I need anything to create something else, but God doesn't need anything. He takes nothing and creates the heavens and the earth. God doesn't need any raw materials. He just creates. And look in verse 3 now. God continues to create. And in verse 3, God says, Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. Again, no raw materials. God doesn't need anything to make something else. He speaks light into existence. He speaks it into existence because he is God, and that's what he can do. And then notice in verse 4, God saw that the light was good. God looks at what he's created. He's pleased with himself. He's like, hey, that's pretty good. I like that. God sees the light, and he's like, that is good. I'm going to keep creating. And so that's what he does. So throughout verse or chapter 1, we see God continue to create. He creates the sky. He creates the land to separate the waters on the earth, and he calls it good, but he's not done. He creates the stars and the moon and the sun. He creates the animals that swim in the sea, and this is my favorite, every living thing that scurries. My favorite description. He talks about these animals that he creates, and he says every living thing that scurries, God creates, and he calls it good. But then God gets to his crowning achievement in creation. He's about to make something different than anything else he's created. A little bit later, we'll talk about why it's his crowning achievement. But he makes humankind. And notice in the last verse of chapter 1, God says, Then God looked over all he had made, and he saw that it was very good. It wasn't just good. It was very good. God was pleased with what he had made. God cannot lie. It's not in his character. So when he said, it is very good, he meant it. And in chapter 2 of Genesis, we see just how good. We get just a little glimpse of how good things are. We see Adam, the first human created by God. And Adam is put in charge of the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden is not like your garden in the backyard. It's not like a salsa garden that you have on your porch. The Garden of Eden has a river running through it. There's animals and fruit trees. There's gold and precious stones. God does nothing halfway, and he creates this beautiful masterpiece, the Garden of Eden. And he says to Adam, now take care of it. Tend it. Care for it. And then it gets even better for Adam, because what does God do next? He creates Eve. And Adam is ecstatic And this is how I know Adam is ecstatic because his first two words when he sees Eve are, at last, at last. And then Adam and Eve go on a walk through the garden naked. So I'm going to assume Adam was in a positive frame of mind at this point. (laughs) At last, no kidding, Adam, at last. Notice in chapter two, the last verse of chapter two, 
Now the man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. How good and perfect must the beginning have been to take a walk naked with somebody else and feel no shame? Me no comprehendo. Don't understand. That's not a thing for me. He felt no shame. How good must the beginning have been? That is just a snapshot of how good things were. And in these first two chapters of Genesis, I think the word that just comes to mind, I can't think of a better word, we just see peace. We see peace. There's nothing better. There's no shame. People are at peace with who they are themselves. No shame. For crying out loud, they're naked. I grab a towel and put it around myself the second I get out of the shower because I fear I might catch a glimpse of myself in the mirror. There's no shame. People are good with themselves. They're good with each other. Adam and Eve are good with each other. They're not at each other's throats. They're good with creation. God has given Adam this wonderful gift to tend and care for creation. And finally, we see people at peace with God. There is peace in the beginning, but something, something must have gone wrong. Something must have gone terribly wrong because if we see peace in the beginning, what do we see today? We see conflict. We see strife. We see hatred. We certainly don't see peace. And I think the worst part is this. Somehow we know as people that this isn't the way it's supposed to be. Somehow we just know, almost like a memory that we can't quite remember. It's on the tip of our brain, but we can't quite get there. And we just know inherently in our bones that this isn't the way it's supposed to be, but it was intended to be some way else, some other way. And with the rest of our time, I want to jump into this idea that if this isn't the way it was intended to be, then how was it intended to be? And if we can know how it was intended to be, how does it affect our life today? So first, we have to know the way things ought to be. The way things ought to be. Like I said, we just know that something's not right. We know that there's brokenness around us, and we know that that's not supposed to be. I think we know that. The sad thing is, is for some of us, it maybe has become so normal, hurt and pain, that we, we don't know that it's supposed to be better, but we have to look at the beginning I don't want to jump into, I don't want to jump too much into the way things are today. Austin Walker, our St. Croix campus pastor, is going to jump into that next week full head on, and he's going to talk about the way things are and the way things are broken. But around us, our own relationships, like we just experience brokenness every day, don't we? Whether it's ourselves breaking something or something's done to us and something's broken, there's distrust there. It would be like if I took this vase and I smashed it under the ground in hundreds of pieces and then try to put it back together. I feel like that's what we do with our relationships. Like we're trying to put it back together. We remember the way it was. We remember a better time when it wasn't broken and we pick up the pieces and we're like, this piece of trust used to go right here, but I can't, it doesn't fit anymore. And this piece of happiness was over here and it used to fit so perfectly, but now I don't know what to do with it. God, this isn't the way it was meant to be. And you're absolutely right. This isn't the way it was meant to be. The brokenness of our relationships, the hurts of our own past wrongs, that isn't the way it was meant to be. You have to go back to the beginning to see the way life ought to be. 
So I think there's four things that we see at the beginning. We're going to look back into Genesis here to four ways that we see God moving and working in this world of peace. And the first way we see it is that God and people were good. Like they were good together. Did I mention that in the garden, God was with Adam and Eve? He was physically with them. There was proximity. If I want to talk to Andrea, my wife, I go into the living room and have a conversation or go into the kitchen and have a conversation and see her, look her in the eye and have a conversation. What did prayer look like in the beginning? I'll bet Adam didn't bow his head and close his eyes. He looked into the face of God and he had a conversation with his maker. How different would that be? There was no distrust. People understood that God wanted the best for them. God and people were good. There was peace between God and people, and that's the way it ought to be. Not the way it is today, mostly, but that's the way it ought to be. Secondly, we see people were good with themselves. What would you do if you had no fear? What would your life look like if you had no self-doubt? How different would things be if there was no inner critic in your head saying, Brian, don't do that. That's stupid. Don't talk to them. That's silly. What would life look like if you had no doubt? Freedom. Freedom. Preach. From 57, they're preaching. Absolute freedom. Absolutely. God intended us to be okay with ourselves, intended us to be comfortable in our own skin. And I think it flows from the first point. If we are good with God, if there's peace with God, then we inherently understand how God created us to be, and we're good with our own selves. I, <laughs> this is another one of those pieces that my brain can't really comprehend. What would, like look, what would life look like if you had no anxiety? Remarkable what it would be like. Thirdly, people were okay with people. People were good with people. John Lennon wrote these words, Imagine all the people living a life in peace— if I had no self-doubt, I would have sung that for you. But I have self-doubt. It's not the beginning. <laughs> what would life look like if people lived at peace with each other? Well, in the beginning, they didn't have to imagine because that's what it looked like. They were at peace with each other. Adam and Eve, like I mentioned before, they weren't at each other's throats. They trusted each other. Again, because of the first two points, they were good with God, they were good with themselves, so they trusted. There was no reason to put distrust into the gap when there was a gap in the relationship. They put trust there. There was no reason for Eve to think that Adam was going to do her wrong or anything like that. They were good. People were good with people. That's how life is meant to be. That's what it looked like in the beginning. And finally, people were good with creation. Adam was good with creation. God had given him the garden to care for and to tend. It's not until later that we see man toiling with the ground to try to make ends meet, to try to make a living or have food or gather for their family. In the beginning, all was good. And Adam was given this unbelievable gift of creation around him to care for and tend. Adam and people were at peace with creation. So all of this is good, right? We, we look at the beginning and we're like, yeah, that's good. All of those things are good. Being at peace with God, at peace with each other, themselves, with creation. That's great, Brian, but how does that affect me on Wednesday when my boss is driving me nuts 
Or tonight when my kids won't go to bed for the 101st night in a row, it is yet again a surprise that they have to go to bed. Every night's a big surprise. <laughs> How does this affect us in the real world to, to think about the beginning? Well, here's two, I want us to do two things as we leave today. First, we have to remember. Remember. Anybody, anybody here an art buff? Anybody know their art really well? Because I do not. I'm not an art guy. Most of my art knowledge comes from the movies. I know that Ferris Bueller saw some cool art in Chicago on his day off. I know that the Mona Lisa confuses me because I can't tell if she's smiling or scowling. I don't know what the deal is with her. And I know the most profound piece of artwork I have ever seen in my life that has touched me deep in my soul is dogs playing poker. When I'm making big decisions about my life, I'll just stare at this picture and say, God, what are you trying to teach me through the... No, I'm just kidding. I just think it's funny. But think of the artist. Think of the artist when they start to create, when they put paint to canvas. What is an artist creating? Well, they're creating an image of some kind, right? And that image could be anything. It could be a flower. It could be a bowl of fruit. If it's Bob Ross, it's a happy little tree. So what does an artist do? They're creating an image. And look back to Genesis 1. Remember how I said that God was getting to his crown achievement in creation, crowning achievement in creation? Genesis 1.26 says this, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image. What image does God choose to create? Not a bowl of fruit, not a sunset, not a happy little tree, God's image is of himself. You look like God because God created you in his own image. When he looked for inspiration to create you, he looked to himself. How amazing is that, that we look like God? And we know this because God has given us his characteristics in our own lives. Your capacity to love comes from the author of love. Your desire for relationship comes from a God who created you because he desired a relationship with you. He didn't need it, but he wanted it. He wanted a relationship with you, which should blow your mind. He's given you creativity because he's the creator. You can make a table. God made wood. The creator made you creative. His characteristics are in you. All good comes from God. Everything that is good comes from God, and he's put his characteristics in you. Remember who you look like. Never forget who you look like. You are the image of God. And while you remember, when you remember, don't simply just remember, then reflect. Reflect that image back on the world. I have a mirror here. And what's a mirror's job? A mirror's job is to reflect anything that it sees back out to you. If I put this vase in front of it, I see the mirror sees the vase perfectly and reflects it back out on the world. Not only has God made you his image, he has created you to reflect that image onto the world. So how do we do that? How do we reflect our image onto the world? Well, first, when you look in that mirror, do you like what you see? When I look in this mirror, do I like what I see? Do I like the image who's I'm, who I'm made in? Because if I look in this mirror, I see God's image. 
So reflect what you see. Reflect whose image you are back onto the world. The person sitting next to you, they look like God too. And if they look like God too, then that should radically affect how we treat people today. If the person next to you is made in God's image, what do we do with that? Do you treat people in a way that is worthy of their worth? Last week when you blew off that meeting, did you realize you were blowing off the image of God? Last week when you snapped at your wife, did you realize you were snapping at the image of God? Do we understand that the people next to us, the people in line at the gas station, the people in line at Target, our neighbors, they are the image of God. When we gossip about our neighbor, do, are we reminded that we're gossiping about the image of God? Are you f- reflecting the way that you care for God's creation? Remember, Adam was given this gift of creation to care for and tend. Are we treating God's creation the way it was meant to be treated? We're not to worship creation. We're to worship the creator. But God has given us an unbelievable gift. And finally, are you reflecting your relationship back to God as he relates to you? When God gives you good gifts, does your praise roll back to him? Is there breath in your lungs today? Praise God. We don't know how many more breaths we have. Have you recently laughed so hard that your cheeks hurt? Praise God for the gift that is joy. Did you find time to go on date night with your bride last week? Praise God for who she is in your life. Maybe tell her as well. Reflect what God has given you. So as we go, as we think about the beginning, I don't want to go back to the beginning necessarily, but I want to remember the beginning. Remember whose image you were made in. Reflect that image onto the world. Then today might actually be the way it ought to be. Let's pray. God, we love you. My prayer today for each person would be that they would remember who they look like. God, would I remember who I look like? Would I remember that I was made in your image? Would I remember all of the good gifts that you've given to me? And God, would I not simply remember, but would I reflect onto the world your image? And so God, today, if people need courage to reflect back onto the world, give them courage. Today, if people need patience to reflect you back to the world, give them patience. If we need creativity today, give us creativity to reflect you back to the world. God, you are good, and what you make is good. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this message moved you in any way, be sure to subscribe to the podcast to never miss your dose of encouragement. You can also follow us on social media with the handle at I Am Embrace. 
Again, we are thrilled you took the time to join us today. And if you live anywhere near one of our locations in South Dakota and Minnesota, we would love to have you join us in person. You can find out more and start a conversation at imembrace.com. Thanks again for listening and have a great week.